What's going on, everybody? Thank you for checking out the Glenn Thinks the podcast today. Welcome or welcome back. Whatever applies to you, just pick one. Pick one and just go with it. <laughs> How you guys doing? I've been gone a couple weeks. Uh, I did not release the podcast last week. I just had a lot going on. Nothing bad. Nothing major. Just uh, busy. You know how it is, man. Sometimes you get busy and you just are like, well, what takes precedence in my life? Is it recording a podcast or living my life? You know, podcasting is way of life, Glenn. But uh, anyway, <laughs> I hope that everybody's well. And uh, today I wanted to talk about, just to jump right into it, just to cut out, I mean, we got the pleasantries behind us, man. There's no more need for small talk. Do you ever feel that way? Yeah. Do you ever feel that way? Like when someone's talking to you, especially when some people are talking to you, do you ever feel like, man, just get to the point. Like, what do you want? <laughs> Is that just me? Yeah, that's, that's, that's me. But like, I'm too polite to do that. So it's just in my head. And I mean, the way that I kind of look at it is that a lot of people that are real polite to you are probably not that really polite in their head. You know what I mean? In their head, they're probably all judgy, thinking all kind of stuff about you. But they're just being that way to your face. Because, I mean, I guess that's the way that you're brought up. You know what I mean? Don't tell people what you really think. Whatever you do, whatever you do, don't tell people what you really think. That's how, that's how like, everybody is, man. That's how everybody is. Like, we're conditioned. We're conditioned. Man, I'm getting way off what I want to talk about, but it don't even matter. There doesn't have to be a rhyme or reason. But we're conditioned in today's world. Not to say what you actually think, you know, you're, you're conditioned not to say what you actually think. And then you're conditioned to, to like, uh, present yourself. So it's kind of the same thing. Presenting yourself as something that you're not like we're conditioned to lie. Like the, the like the, does this stress will make me look fat? You know, or does this, does this make me look fat? When women say that to their significant other, you know, what, what are you supposed to say? What are you supposed to say? You know, what if you're just fat? What if you're just fat and the, someone's like, does this make me look fat? Well, everything makes you look fat. Like getting up in the morning makes you look fat but nobody will ever you'll never you just you're just not supposed to you're not supposed to say that kind of stuff you know what i mean you're not supposed to ever be honest with someone you know because we're supposed we can't hurt anybody's feelings we can't we gotta be like positive i don't think there's a problem with being positive i really don't but it's kind of confusing to me sometimes it's kind of confusing. Like there's like the whole, like the filters that people put on cameras, you know, like the over pictures, like the Instagram filters and the Snapchat filters and all that, where you be, where you be looking smooth skin, like your whole face is smooth. And you'll see a picture of somebody like, you'll see a picture of a lady that's like probably like, 50 something years old and you when you're 50 some years old you're supposed to look 50 some years old you know just like when you're 20 years old you're supposed to look that's what you look 20 years old you know what i mean it's called life people you know and you see this this picture and it's just this it's just 
the whole face is just totally smooth. It's like totally smooth and kind of fuzzy looking. You know what I'm talking about. And not only that, but there's little like butterflies on your face. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I have such smooth skin that butterflies just hang out around me all day. So we're kind of like, I don't know, man. You're not supposed to tell the truth to people. And and it, it just, it's just like we walk around lying to everybody all the time because you can't really say what you want to say and then when you say what you like i had something check this out i had uh i had a incident we'll just call it an incident this week where i saw a picture of somebody that was a man right and just the outfit that this guy had on the shirt in in um particular i just was like is that a joke like because i thought it was a joke but i didn't say it to the guy himself you know what I mean? I said it to somebody who who had the picture. I was like, is that a joke? And it was like an offensive thing to say. But I thought that it was a joke because the shirt looked stupid. Right? I'm not going to. The shirt looked ridiculous. And I was like, is he doing this as a joke? Uh, and then I found out that he was serious, you know. And I'm not some stylish Mr. Style. You know what I mean? But I know what looks stupid and I know what don't look stupid. You know, and if you wear something stupid as a joke, that's fine, you know, but if you wear something stupid and you're serious, like I, it just kind of, it caught me off guard. You know, my guard wasn't up or I probably would have kept that one to myself. You know what I mean? Like if it's a joke, I wanted to be in on the joke, you know, cause there's nothing worse than being the outside guy in the joke. So I want to be in on the joke, like, oh, I get it. Ha ha ha. You know, but then to find out, it just come to find out it wasn't a joke. And I wouldn't have said anything because I'm polite. So I would have held my, I would have held my, I would have held what I really thought inside. You know what I mean? Isn't that kind of lying when you just hold what you really think back and you're just like, ha ha ha. Everything is great. That's kind of being dishonest, you know? If you don't feel that way, I don't know. I don't know what I'm even talking about. But anyway, so I thought that I, that I would talk about today. I don't think that I've ever talked about this on the podcast before. I don't remember. Because I've been doing this for over two years now. And uh, I don't... I don't... I might have touched on it before, but I don't know. But I wanted to talk about... Um, the time that I saw multiple UFOs, all right? And I know, like, this happened to me over, I would say, I mean, well over 20 years ago. I would say I was probably 15. And so, let's see, if I was 15, that would be like, uh, when would that be? 15, that would be like maybe 96-ish. Uh, Around 96, like, uh, I, I saw multiple UFOs um, while I was in um, Gulf Breeze, Florida. Okay, so um, Gulf Breeze is right, it's like the panhandle of Florida. It's, uh, it's right off of Pensacola, Florida. It's like a little strip, a little island um, right beside Pensacola, Florida. And, uh... I was 15, around 15-ish, and, um, and I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't under the influence of anything at all, 
You know, if somebody's like, oh, Glenn was acting crazy when he was 15. No, I wasn't. I wasn't under the, I wasn't doing anything. I was just walking down the beach at night, right? And I was with somebody else, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like out them, you know? Because if they ever want to talk about, if they ever want to talk about what we saw that night, they can talk about it. But, uh, but I do realize like uh, over the years, you know, I've some, I've told some people about it, but I haven't told a lot of people about it. Um, just because that, like, there's a stigma, you know what I mean? Like when you think about somebody that's like, Oh my UFO experience, you think about the guy from, uh, what's his name? Uh, I can't think of the actor's name right off the top of my head. He's in uh Christmas. He's in the vacation movies, cousin Eddie. And he was in independence day. And he's like that time I got abducted by aliens, you know? And you kind of, and everybody's like, yeah, all right, you're crazy. And I mean, even when the aliens, even when the aliens came to Earth in Independence Day, and he was talking like he was talking like people were that, I'm like, you're crazy, man. You know what I mean? Even when aliens were there. So I do realize that there's kind of a stigma attached to it, but I really don't care what people think of me. You know, I mean, what it doesn't really make a difference what people, because I, I mean, the people that, that, I care about are the people that I care what they think about me. Like that's why I, yeah, I've come to that conclusion. Like if I say I saw a UFO and people are like, you're crazy. I'd be like, well, I don't care. I not only do I not care, I don't care. And I saw a UFO. How about that? How about them apples? But, uh, but anyway, so I was like, I remember I was walking down the down the beach at night. Okay, I was walking down the beach at night, and um, we were talking about girls, you know, and think of just all things about girls. We're just talking about talking about things, and I mean we're fifteen year old boys, you know what I mean? What else are you gonna talk about? But uh, so we're walking down, and we're just you know shooting the breeze or whatever, and uh shooting the breeze <laughs> there's, a, there's a man there's a there's an old expression we is just shooting the breeze we is chewing the cud is what we is doing but uh i watched a couple i watched a couple uh jerry clower i don't know if if you know about jerry clower uh i was watching a couple of his videos yesterday and if you don't know who jerry clower is you should at least look him up man it's like clean comedy it's funny i i grew up kind of liking jerry clower because i never heard about jerry clower till we moved uh to south carolina when i was a kid i never heard of jerry clower and he's just the southern comedian he's like good at telling stories he's hilarious he is a good storyteller or he was he's passed now but uh jerry clower he's funny man and he he says all kinds of these southern expressions but uh i like a good story you know what i mean but uh and i like people that don't get sidetracked when they tell stories too <laughs> but anyway so we're walking down the beach and uh and we look we'll, like we both look out over the water i don't remember who said you know pointed it out first but there were saucers out over the water and i'm trying to i've thought about it all week and i was trying to think was it four or was it five but it was i mean it was like it was four or five saucers right 
And I mean, they weren't close together. And what caught both of our attention is that you could see like in the moonlight, you could see these things and there were lights on them. They were close enough to make out. I mean, they weren't so far away. It's hard for me to, I mean, it's hard for me telling the story because I can see it in my head, but I can't, I mean, I can't look back at something from, let's see, 24 years ago, 23, 24 years ago. And I can't look back at that and say, you know, it was like 50 yards away. It was, you know, it was 100 yards away. Like, I just can't. I've thought about it. Like, I've actually thought about it all week and I can't. I don't know. I can't measure in my head something from that long ago, but they weren't fuzzy. They were clear enough to make out like they were clear enough. They were close enough um, to see clearly that it was a disc, that these things were discs, not like not like a Frisbee disc, but like a disc that was like big in the middle and kind of went down on both sides kind of thin down on both sides and there were four or five of them and what caught our attention is they'd be down near the water and then they would just dart right they would just dart and so so we were walking down the beach and and um just sat down in front of this hotel because the house the house that i was staying at was on down the beach and uh and I sat down in the chair you know the hotels that had the chair have the chairs out on the beach like they belong to the hotel I, these were made of like wood like they were you know that you couldn't move them they were just big heavy made of wood chairs in front of this big um hotel that was you know stories um tall and just I just sat down on that chair and I remember I remember just just sitting there and just staring at these things kind of in disbelief of what I was seeing, right? Like like I just couldn't believe that that I was witnessing something like this. And they were darting, you know, they were darting all around and it was just like, you know, it that definitely wasn't a helicopter, it definitely wasn't a plane. It was a a flying saucer because I could see it. You know, I could see it clearly. And they just darted around, you know, they just kept darting around until finally they disappeared. And it was like, it was, I remember just being like, oh my gosh, you know, what did we just see? This is insane. And I don't like, I really don't remember, um, going back and telling anybody. I don't know if you, but just because like, <laughs> you don't want to be that guy, especially at that age. Uh, because I don't know. Yeah. I know that my parents wouldn't believe me. I know that, uh, I probably told them, you know, I probably told some people and then just kept it to myself. But, um, it wasn't like, I, I kind of always, I had a fascination with it before that and after that. And that's not something that I went looking for, you know, it just happened. You know, I see these TV shows where they go searching for stuff like that and they just can't, they never see anything. But then, you know, when you least expect it, something will happen 
And I haven't seen anything since. Like, I've never seen anything like that since. And come to find out, um, and this is like pre, I don't know when the internet came around. I don't think that I probably had access to the internet back then. Maybe if I did, it was dial-up. But I remember um, years later finding out that some famous sightings and actual pictures had been taken at Gulf Breeze, like at the same exact beach, right? And I don't, I don't, um, I, I, that's just crazy. Like it's crazy that I didn't even, I, I didn't find that out till years later. But it was like the same. It was like I witnessed something. And other people had similar experiences as me in the same place, right? And, like, that's kind of stuff has always kind of fascinated me. I, I guess now in the news, like, uh, it's it's 2020 is a crazy year. And now in the news, I've seen you. We've we've seen all kinds of stuff about UFO sightings and how the government, you know, hid this stuff and how, you know, fighter pilots like jet pilots and the military, you know, have had UFO encounters. And it's kind of a common, it's kind of common, not like it came out like 2020. They, they just gave up and they're like, yeah, they're real. We've been hiding it. But, uh, that was just something that, uh, that, that is crazy that happened to me. Right. And I've never really, I don't talk about it a lot. It was so long ago. I guess just the knowledge, just the knowledge that those exist is something that I never questioned after that because I saw it with my own eyes. I can't explain it. I don't know what was inside, you know, but just to see crafts move like that in the 90s, it's like uh it's like something that that I've never witnessed before and I've never seen again. But anyway, that's just something that I wanted to tell you guys about just because it was something it's just something crazy, you know? It'd be like if I saw Sasquatch, I'd be like, "Oh, I'm going to talk about Sasquatch." But uh I wish that I would. I wish that someone would go ahead and see that because I want to believe in that so bad. Like I want, <laughs> I want Sasquatch to be real. I really do. And, uh, I don't rule it out. I don't rule a lot of things out because I find that in life having an open mind, uh, because I haven't always had an open mind about stuff. You know, I haven't always had an open mind because you kind of like, you kind of develop this belief system right you kind of develop this belief system and and then you just go with that you know and i think that when you close your mind um when you close your mind you you're limiting yourself you're kind of almost making yourself stupid you know you should always or i believe that i should always leave my my mind open to possibilities not with every single thing because like you can't go around just being like i believe in nothing and I just go do stuff on a whim. Like, you can't be like that, man. That's not what I'm saying at all. But trying to have an open mind, like, that part of me is something that I really like. I really like, you know, that curiosity. I like the curiosity that comes along with that, you know, because you can learn some crazy stuff, you know. But 
And you might find something that you like better. You might be like, oh, I believe that better than I believe the other thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? That used to be my favorite food, but now it's not. Yeah? Why can't people be more like that, man? Why can't people be treat other things like, you know, like you're trying a new food? Yeah, I guess sometimes people just are like, I will eat the same thing. I'll eat the same thing because it's familiar and and I don't like new stuff. I don't like change. Sometimes change is good, man. But anyway, so there's that. That that is like a, I'm a UFO survivor. I didn't get abducted. I don't think I've ever been abducted. I don't know. I'm glad because all the stories that I hear about being abducted don't sound very cool if you catch my drift. But, uh, so anyway, I saw a little person on a dating app, right? I saw a little person on a dating app and, uh, and I was reading her profile cause I was like, that is a little person on a dating app. What have they got to say for themselves? And so I was reading and it said, it said that, uh, it said like you know how on on that kind of on those kind of profiles they'll have like my likes what i like to do like activities i like it said that she liked mini golf right she liked the little person like mini golf and i was like is that mini is that like putt putt or is that like regular golf <laughs> oh but i just uh, i don't know i just thought of that joke and maybe I should have left it out yeah maybe that will be like in the industry maybe that will be on the cutting room floor as we say in the podcasting industry but um but anyway um what else what else do I want to tell you oh I read I, I started watching that that uh show that new Netflix show um because after Cobra Kai I was like Cobra Kai the year can't get any better if you haven't seen cobra kai i'm not even gonna like keep telling you to watch it man because if you haven't watched cobra kai by now you don't deserve to watch cobra kai. <laughs> that's an arrogant i love when people act like that you don't deserve it uh but anyway if you're new to my podcast watch cobra kai but anyway the 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 show ratchet Right, the Netflix show Ratchet is is so good. I mean, it's Sarah. What's her name? Sarah Paulinson, Paulinson from a American Horror Story, and it has that kind of a vibe to it. It's about like it's about Nurse Ratchet. Remember one flew over the cuckoo's nest with Jack Nicholson? It's like her backstory. It's like Nurse Ratchet. Remember the nasty Nurse Rat Nurse Ratchet on One Flew Over the Cuckoo's, Cuckoo's Nest. This is like the backstory of Nurse Ratchet. It is so well done. It's just the shots are beautiful. The music is gr- like perfect. Everything they put a lot into the show, man. And it's really it's dark, and it's uh oh, it's really good, man. It's a really Good. It's like one of those shows. You know how you'll watch a show and you'll be like, ah, oh, that's from the 80s or ah, oh, that's from the 90s or ah, oh, that's from, you know, the 50s, whatever. This is like a show that you could watch in 30 years. It's like kind of like it's not dated. 
You know what I mean? Like it takes place at a certain time, but it's so well done. You know, it's almost like watching a Scorsese film. You know, it's just so well done that you're like, oh, this is going to be, you know, this is a, this is, I'm watching a classic that just came out basically. And, uh, she, she gives an amazing performance and, you know, even, even better than the performance that she gave in um, that short celebrity, um, the black and white short celebrity video, I take responsibility. I take responsibility. <laughs> that kind of knocked, I was like, ah, when I saw her on there, I was like, oh man, no. You remember that, the, the celebrities made were right, like they're, they're, what they had to say about Black Lives Matter was pretty much like uh, they just haven't been acting and they needed some attention. And she was on there in her big black room glass. I, th- I made fun. I played on the podcast. I made fun of it. Um, but her performance in Ratchet is even better than that. Let me tell you. Let me tell you, buddy. So uh, so anyway, you definitely, definitely, definitely need to check that out. That, is a, that show is superb. But uh, I was just like I was watching a documentary this morning, and it was in England. It's it, it the documentary took place in England as a young filmmaker. I'm not even I I don't even like I paused it to do a podcast. It's not even worth watching, so I'm not going to tell you the name of it. It just sucks. The guy sucks. Like the guy made me mad. Well, I'll tell you the name of it. What is the name of it? It is called. A complete history of my sexual failures, right? And it's just like it's so bad. The guy is so annoying to me. It's like the most you just want to drill him in the face. And I'm not even that kind of a person. I'm not an aggressive person. I'm a laid back, chill person. And I'm not saying you want to drill him in the face, like really be violent, man. But I'm just saying he just has a very punchable face, and he's just very annoying. He's like. He's just, he just is. And the whole thing is about all these girls dump him. Like he's been out with a ton of girls and they all dump him. But I mean, he's, he's like, why does this keep happening to me? And it's just, uh, it's just annoying to watch him. Like, dude, shut up. Quit whining. Like you're the whiniest person I've ever seen in my life. Like pull yourself up by the bootstraps and live life. You know what I mean? But, uh, but anyway, it's just, it was, you see how polite people are over in England. That's the thing I kind of got, I lost interest like very quickly, but I kept watching it because you see how, how different people are in England. Like I know some there, I know people listen to this podcast in England. I don't think it's like a huge, I don't know. It's not a huge percentage of my, uh, what you call it of my audience, you know? It's not, but I do know that I have listeners in England. Y'all polite, man. You know, maybe not all of you, but for the most part, when you just see people, it's just like they talk. I don't know if it's the accent. It's kind of a disarming, it's kind of disarming when you talk to people. It's it's kind of a, I don't know. It's just a polite accent, you know, and in America, I know there's different parts of England and uh different accents that people have in england but uh but just from what i saw it's like oh 
it's uh, they everyone seems so lovely <laughs> uh, but anyway yeah don't go watch that it's really it really i mean maybe you like it it just kind of was like yeah oh this is a waste of time but anyway there's this uh there's this page that i found on twitter and it's called wtf facts and it's like daily weird and interesting facts if you want to go if you want to go check out um <clears throat> this page on twitter you should do so after you follow me at glenn thing stuff but uh it's at mr wtf facts what the frick man and uh and so i what i thought that i would do is i didn't I mean, I didn't this show, you know, I don't have to tell you. I keep saying stuff like I didn't do any preparation. But I was like, yeah, Glenn, we kind of, we've kind of come to expect that from you. <laughs> you are preparationless. But, uh, but anyway, like I fact checked some of these, right? Like I actually looked up some of these and it seems like these are legit man so what i want to do um today is i just wanted to read some of them because i like reading weird facts right like uh i just like reading weird facts that like people don't talk about so here's the first one that i'll read and i'll just scroll through this page and just read whatever catches my eyeballs um pope francis once worked as a nightclub bouncer which that's pretty funny i was thinking of of Pope a pope working as a nightclub bouncer. So what else do we have here? In 1992, Derry Kremen, the founder of Match.com, one of the biggest dating websites in the world, lost his girlfriend to a man she met on Match.com. <laughs> so, so the guy that made Match.com lost his girlfriend to a guy that she met on Match on the his her boyfriend's website. Boy, that backfired. You know what I mean? That backfired bad. He kind of, it's kind of like you set her up, dude. All right, let's see here. Um, psychology says there is no correlation between the loudest in the room and the smartest. Ignorance and confidence go together more often than competence and confidence. So... Ignorance and cop. Oh, so it's saying that ignorance and people like a lot of people that are ignorant are really confident, and a lot of people that are like really smart are not as confident. Okay. In Sri Lanka, the penalty for killing an elephant is death. So if you're in Sri Lanka, don't be killing an elephant. In 2007, Lori and Chris Coble suffered the tragic loss of all three of their young children in a road accident two girls and a boy despite their experience they decided to try again for children six months later Lori became pregnant and later gave birth to triplets two girls and a boy so good stuff does happen that's a horrible tragedy like i can't even imagine that is like the most horrific thing that could happen to a parent but it just goes to show that sometimes you know good stuff happens to people um good stuff happens to good people yeah, and then there's the rest of us. <laughs> I'm just trying to bounce back because that's terrible. The Beatles have sold more records than Bob Marley, Tupac Shakur, Nirvana, and the Beach Boys and Kanye West combined. Well, I believe that. Um, in 1996, after Tupac was cremated, his ashes were mixed with marijuana and smoke 
by members of his hip hop group, the Outlaws. I Google that. That's true. Like his his group did smoke his ashes. Um, Lucy, a chimpanzee, was raised to believe she was human. She learned to sign over two hundred and fifty words and ate at the dinner table using silverware. Her hobbies included drinking gin and browsing Playgirl magazines while masturbating with a vacuum cleaner. That is a weird one. I didn't even read that before I said it on the podcast. Oh, well. All right. Let's see. For over 30 years, Daniel Davis, um, which is a black guy, befriended members of the KKK and single-handedly inspired over 200 members to leave the organization. He doesn't directly attempt to persuade. He just treats them with respect, opens up a conversation, and lets them confront their own belief system. That's pretty cool. I mean, that's crazy. I've never heard that before. A British man named Walter Summerford was struck by lightning three times in his life. Then, after his death, his gravestone was struck by lightning, too. How crazy is that? It has a picture of his gravestone. Isn't that kind of... Man. Wish he was around to buy me a lottery ticket. All right. Uh, da, 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 da. The word idiot came from ancient Athens and originally meant people who didn't care about or participate in public affairs or politics. Oh, how the times have changed because I think that the people that are actually in a lot of public affairs and politics in the middle of all that are idiots. Um, The word slut was originally used to describe a woman who didn't keep her room clean. That's crazy. That's terrible. That's terrible, man. So what? Like, it originated and, like, would you say that to your kid? That's terrible. Um, Let's see. What else do we have here? In 2010, a movie was made about a serial killer car tire named Robert. The entire movie is the tire rolling around, killing people and blowing things up. <laughs> uh, I bet it's better than the. Uh, I bet it's better than the documentary that I just watched. I'll tell you that much right now. In London, the Prince Charles Cinema has ninjas that patrol the seating area and will hush any people in the cinema making noise. I actually think that that's a pretty good idea. Um. In 2012, a hacker completely shut down and disabled Papa John's website after his pizza was delivered two hours late. That's pretty funny. Uh, treadmills were originally created as torture devices to punish prisoners. All right, I believe that. In 2010, a black Nigerian couple gave birth to a blue-eyed, blonde-haired, white baby in London. Oh, the Lucy, you got some splaining to do. Uh, okay, this is crazy, man. There are over 200 dead bodies scattered on Mount Everest, and they're used as landmarks by climbers given nicknames such as Green Boots and Sleeping Beauty. That's pretty wild, man. There's old blue face over there. We're fixing to be at the top. Um, 
Psychology says if you have to make a tough decision, try flipping a coin. Not to decide for you, but you'll realize what you really want when the coin is in the air. I believe that. I believe that, man. Um, and sweat. This is the last one I'll do. I'm not just gonna keep like I got on Glenn's pod. I was listening to Glenn's podcast today, and he just read a bunch of weird facts. Um, kind of the weird just facts kind of go hand in hand with the theme of the podcast, the UFO theme of the podcast today. In Switzerland, you can hire an evil clown to stalk someone for seven days. The clown will follow them around, set up traps send chilling text messages, and even smash a pie in their face if he catches them. Why can't we have that stuff in America, man? That's all I want to know. But uh, anyway, that's the kind of a cool... That's kind of cool. I like knowing things that I never knew. I did fact check. I didn't fact check every single one of those. But uh, I fact checked it. I fact checked it some of it. But, uh, but anyway, so there's that. Um... But, like, uh, I, I was thinking about what I could do, uh, what I could do extra on the podcast today. And since everybody that probably listens to my podcast now wasn't listening uh, a couple years ago, I thought that I, what I would do at the end of the podcast today is I would put on an episode, um, I would give um you a taste of what the podcast used to be like two years ago um and this is about two it might have been september of 2018 i did a podcast uh where i talked about like uh like siamese twins conjoined twins and i thought what what better of an episode would there be to put on um the end of my podcast today and so if you've never if you weren't listening to me a couple years ago um, about, I don't know, a hundred episodes ago or so, like, uh, stick around and check it out, man. You'll see how, how more sarcastic and comfortable I've gotten over the last couple of years. You just got all negative, Glenn. Well, some of it has to do with 2020. Give me a break, man. Some of it has to do with 20. It's been a bad year. I blew my birthday candles out. I turned 39, man. This past week, I blew my birthday candles out with a hairdryer. That sums up what 2020 has been like, man. But, uh, because I don't want to, like, what if I have COVID? I blow all over the cake, give everybody COVID. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, it's just been kind of a weird year, man. But I do, I do, uh, I do hope that you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, like, subscribe, or don't, or do, or whatever I'm supposed to say. You're supposed to say, leave me a review. That's what rape me. Don't tell me what you really think. Tell me lies about how much you love me. <laughs> Feed my ego by sharing and liking and writing a review of me. Tell me how great. Does this podcast make me look fat? No, Glenn. No, Glenn. You look superb. But, uh, but anyway, um... If you want to hit me up, contact info's in the notes of the podcast. Um, if you've heard all my episodes, you can hit stop or you can hear me again. But I hope that you guys enjoy this little throwback that I'm that I'm gonna put on here, and I'll talk to you soon. Hey,
And we're off. <laughs> That's a great way to start. It just sets the tone. It sets the bar low. So I don't have that much to live up to. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Man, this week I bit my tongue, right? So I was eating gummy bears. Like I talk about gummy bears. I don't just sit around eating candy all the time. So don't think that if you want to think that. If you want to picture me always eating candy. Oh, sugar mouth over here. Then you can totally picture me like that. It doesn't bother me at all. But I, I put a bunch of gummy bears in my mouth at one time. And I guess that I was so excited to get these things in my mouth that I started chomping down like a wild man on these gummy bears. And I bit my tongue. And I can't remember the last time that I bit my tongue this bad, badly. I can't remember the last time that I bit my tongue this badly. But, like, I drew blood. Like, it really, like, out of the left side of my tongue, like, it took a chunk out. And it wouldn't quit bleeding, right? And I was like, I was like, you bit my tongue. And, you know, I was telling people about it because it was sore. I was like, yeah, I bit my tongue, man, bad. And they were like, well, why did you do that? And I was like, I don't know. I guess I thought that it was food. But, so that's bothering me a little bit. But I'm all good. It's not that bad. I don't even know why I told you that. I just thought it was funny that I thought my tongue was food this week. <laughs> All right. I got something cool to talk to you people about today. And I want to start it out. And this is going to be like a little bit darker of a podcast. All right. And I apologize ahead of time. That's not intentional. Like I don't sit around. I really don't. I don't know. As far as the preparation goes for this podcast, this is how it works, right? I'll brainstorm about stuff that I want to talk about, but it's like thoughts that I'm having, right? It's not like I'm, I don't know. I don't really talk about topics that I'm not interested in. Sometimes there's topics that, you know, that aren't that, not that interesting to me, but they're, they're, actually thoughts that I've had but this week is really awesome and but the bad thing is is it's kind of a darker podcast right but it's very interesting I think that you'll be interest, interested in what I have to say I hope that you will um, I find this stuff interesting and I, hopefully I can make you laugh a couple times at least at least a couple times because I want to take people out of the grind you know what i'm saying do you know what i'm saying do you understand my words sucker all right so the first thing that i want to talk about is something that i thought about and um it has something to do with siamese twins or conjoined twins whatever one of those you know you want to picture and what i'm talking about and i think that this all kind of came to me and i started thinking about it because I recently finished the new Netflix of American Horror Story, right? The cult, um, the cult season. And I really wasn't a huge fan. Like, I really, I didn't think it was that great, you know? And to me, American Horror Story is, I either really love the, se the season 
or I'm just kind of like, meh, you know? And my favorite, um, my favorite seasons of American Horror Story was the first season House. It was pretty good. You know what I mean? It was pretty good. Um, let's see. I liked Asylum. That might be my favorite is Asylum. And Freak Show was pretty good. And a lot of people didn't like Hotel, you know, but I really dug Hotel. A lot of people were critical of Lady Gaga's performance on Hotel. And I thought that that was a solid season of American Horror Story. Um, it referenced H.H. H. Holmes, and I'm a big H.H. H. Holmes. Um, I'm really interested in H.H. H. Holmes. So that I might be partial, you know. But um, but those are the seasons that I really enjoyed. Well, in Freak Show, there was like a two-headed lady, right, in Freak Show. And I forgot the actress's name. She's in the, all the seasons of American Horror Story. But it was phenomenal, like the performance that she gave. And um, because she was both the heads, she had to act and play. Oh, I think that's what got me thinking about Siamese twins. Well, the next thing that I thought about, and I've been thinking about this for days and days and days, and I actually um, put something up on Twitter a couple days about it because I was thinking about it, and I just wanted to kind of start a conversation with people about it. And this is the this is the scenario that I want you to think about while I'm talking, right? Okay, so you have these two Siamese twins, um, or conjoined twins. Let's just say they're conjoined twins, all right? And they're sitting at a bar, right? And um, they're just, one of them is just drinking and minding his own business, okay? And the other conjoined twin is sitting there and arguing with a man at the bar beside him, right? Okay? And the one that's arguing with the man beside him randomly, just out of nowhere, pulls out a gun, shoots and kills the person that he's arguing with. Okay, like a random act. Okay, here's the question. How can the police arrest the guilty party without putting the innocent party in jail? Right. So I was thinking about that. And as soon as I thought about that, I was like, what? <laughs> like you can't put an innocent person in jail. You can't punish an innocent person was my first reaction. Like you just can't do that. You know, how would this work? You know, and then I thought about like I've talked to a few people on uh, on Twitter about it and and people were bringing new angles to it. And different things to think about to it. And like if they murdered someone and they both have the same DNA. So if they murdered, if if a Siamese twin or a conjoined twin murdered someone at like a, um, like to where there weren't any witnesses at all. And it was like a single gunshot wound. You know that one pulled the trigger. You can't prove that the other one went along with it. Yeah, they might be able to be charged as like an accessory um, to it, but I don't see how they could catch the same charge or how, how a prosecutor could prove 
that they weren't trying to, you know, go against the other conjoined twin, right? Especially, I mean, they would have time to get their story right, you know, because they're always together. You couldn't separate them. And um, so I just thought that was really, really interesting. And so that's what I've been thinking about this week. And I just don't know how it would be easy to create reasonable doubt if you were a defense lawyer. Like you could create that doubt in the mind of a juror, you know, or in the mind of a judge. And I think that it would be you know, pretty easy. Something else that I thought about is that an innocent party, if they were thrown into jail for a crime they did not commit, they could actually file a lawsuit and most likely win a lawsuit if they were wrongfully accused and in prison for something that they didn't do. The problem with that is that the guilty party would benefit from the innocent party's you know, like if they won the lawsuit, the guilty party would benefit. And so I was thinking about this and I was like, man, this is insane. I've never, I've never, you know, I've never thought about this before. And so it was really, really interesting to me. And I actually talked to a lot of people about it. And I asked one woman about it that I know. And she just looked at me (laughs) when I asked her, she just looked at me. And just was like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. And she just like kind of smirked and walked away, right? Well, I actually know this doctor, like this, uh, this doctor. And um, I asked him about it just to, just like an educated mind, you know, because I'm, I know that you think Glenn's probably a doctor just by the way that he talks. I'm, he talks all fans of talk on his podcast. He might be a doctor. I'm not a doctor. I'm sorry to let you down. <laughs> but I'm a doctor of knowledge and thinking stuff. But um, so I asked this doctor what he thought about it, right? And he, he's a really thoughtful guy. And he's not quick to give opinion, you know what I mean? He's not one of those loud people that's just always talking, you know, and not really saying anything. He's a really thoughtful person. And so um, someone actually suggested that I ask this guy, you know, what he thought about it. And I asked him and he said that the guilty must be punished. And I said, yeah, dude, but check it out. What if the other party tried to stop him because the doctor came back at me and said you know you have a moral obligation as the one that's conjoined to try to stop the the other person that's trying to do the murder and i was like yeah dude but what if what if um what if he did try to do that or what if it was just random you know and this guy kind of stuck to his guns and was like was like uh the guilty must you know what he say? The guilty must be accountable or pay for what they did. And so I was like, well, that's an interesting perspective. And I told him to keep thinking about it. And um, he said that he would. So hopefully he gets back to me about that because it was it's really interesting to think about this whole this whole deal. And so today, actually, a couple hours ago in, you know, thinking about, all right, I'm going to record a podcast. I'm going to talk about this and it's crazy. And I'm not going into the depth, 
you know, that I really could with this because that's not the, how my podcast works. Um, but you know, I think that I, I really want you to think about it. That's my main goal by talking about this today, um, is to think about it, you know, what, how, what is right, you know? And, and what I decided as soon as I started thinking about this, um, I came to the conclusion really quickly that what it all boils down to is this. Is it more important for the guilty to pay for their crime or is an innocent man's freedom more important, right? Which one of those two things is more important, making the guilty pay or keeping the innocent free? You know, and I figured out that in my head, that made sense to me. Like the question that I would have to ask myself, you know, in thinking about this, like that is what it all comes down to. There can be a bunch of different scenarios, but if one person is is really innocent and one person is really guilty, how's that going to work out? You know, and um, so I Google this and, you know, I was like, I'm going to talk about this on my podcast today. I want to Google it and see what's up. And evidently, this is not an original thought. I promise you, I've never heard of it before, but there is stuff on the Internet about this. There are some interesting articles about this. I read a couple of them and I'm not going to go into detail Um about those articles, I did read that it's uh, law professors like to pose this question to their students, which I thought was interesting. You know, maybe I missed my calling. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I should have been like a, a the lawyer for a sideshow or something. <laughs> you know, like I'm born after my time. I should have like been the the attorney for the freak show. <laughs> But anyway, in one of these articles, I found an interest, interesting quote. And when I find a quote on the internet, sometimes I'm like, ah, if I don't know it, I'm like, ah, I'm kind of, you know, slow to believe if that's real. But I looked it up and it's a legitimate quote that I thought was interesting by Benjamin Franklin, um, one of the founding fathers. And the quote is, and I'm reading this quote. I'm sorry, I didn't memorize it. This isn't me thinking stuff. This is Glenn Reed's stuff right now. <laughs> Benjamin Franklin actually wrote, and it was it's from a letter to Benjamin Vaughn, uh, March 14, 1785. And um, this is a quote, Benjamin Franklin, that it is better a hundred guilty persons should escape than that one innocent person should suffer is a maxim that has been long and generally approved, right? So Benjamin Franklin said, and I mean, I'm not treating that like, oh, Benjamin Franklin said it, right? It's right after the Bible. Benjamin Franklin said it. Um, but I thought that that was interesting, you know, because Benjamin Franklin was very instrumental in the founding of our country and the well the united states if you're listening outside the united states benjamin franklin looked like a biker um he had a wicked you know mullet going on and 
he uh, flew a kite and there's a key and electricity and the print and press and stuff like that. And so that's what, what you need to know. <laughs> that's like the worst. That's the worst ever explanation for who Benjamin Franklin was. But I'm sticking to that because that's just how I feel. But I thought that that was interesting that he said that because it was kind of along those same lines as I was thinking, like, how can you hold? I mean, even if you try to put the person on house arrest, then what happened? The other person can't leave. You know, the other if you restrict um, the guilty party in any way, if it's a conjoined twin, it's just, I, I don't see how the innocent wouldn't pay. And is it really right to do that, you know? And I don't know. I don't know. I guess it's not a huge problem or it would have been addressed by this point in time. And it has not. But you should totally think about that. And hit me up on Twitter, at Glenn Think Stuff. Email me, uh, stuff at yahoo.com. Let me know, because that question baffles me. Like, how do you serve justice, you know, to a conjoined twin where one party's guilty and the other's not? So, there's that. And I was thinking, I've thought about that so much. I'm kind of tired of thinking about it. I'm kind of glad I'm doing my podcast, so maybe, you know, this is like my therapy, saying it out loud. Even though I've been talking to all kinds of people about it, it's something that I'm just like, Dude, I talked to so many people about this this week. And it's just a wild thought. It is a wild thought. So now I want to tell you about another wild thought. And it's not a thought. It's a true story. It is a true story about my past, right? And it's a personal story. And it's an embarrassing story. Man, I don't even care. Because I'm going to tell you it anyway. Because I got a light in the mood. After the conjoined twins are killing everybody. It's a bloodbath. I got to tell you something to cheer you up. Alright. So, I was when I was a kid. Like, I don't even remember uh, when I stopped wetting the bed. Right? I don't remember when that all stopped. You know, I was like any normal kid. I think. When I was real young. <laughs> And, and, you know, even after I stopped wearing whatever I wore to bed, I, you know, kids have accidents sometimes. And so this came into my mind this week and I'd forgotten about this for you. I like, I haven't thought about this sometimes in the nooks and crannies of your brain. See, this is when you'll be able to tell that I'm not a doctor. So in your brain, you have these nooks and crannies, right? And sometimes they get cobwebs and they get all musty. And every once in a while, one of those things just busts wide open and you're like, oh, yeah. And you remember something from years back that you've forgotten about. And so I haven't thought about this in years. But when I thought about it, I was like, oh, oh, that's going on the podcast for shizzle. And so um, so I thought about that this week. And this is like I was not wet in the bed anymore like on the reg when this happened right so i remember this quite vividly 
um, because it scarred me. And I don't even want to say what age I was because I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm honestly not sure. Now it wasn't like I was 15 years old, man. I'm sure I was young. You know what I mean? I wasn't a teenager. I wasn't an adolescent, even though that might be more hilarious, you know, but I was a child, right? And this is what happened. Like, I remember being in a deep sleep. Like, I don't remember actually being in a deep sleep, but I remember I was in a deep sleep. I had to be in a deep sleep because I was like, all right, I need to get up and take a leak, you know? And uh, <laughs> and so what I did was I was just kind of zombified. I was just kind of out of it. And I remember being really dazed while it was happening. Like, I was still in a dream. I got up out of my bed, right? I walked over to my drawer and like my drawer, like my chest of drawers. And I opened the drawer and there were all my clothes inside the drawer, neatly folded inside the drawer is where you keep your clothes inside the drawer of your chest of drawer is where you keep your clothes. And I, <laughs> and, uh, I proceeded to urinate in my drawer, all over my clothes, right? And and I was like in a daze. I was in a daze. I was jingle, tinkle, tinkle. I am peeing on my clothes. Tinkle, tinkle, tinkle. Human waste is everywhere. <laughs> ah, I, just, I just peed all over my clothes. Well, this is what happened. Mid, how do you like that Christmas? I'm trying to throw some... It's, it's coming, people. And now I hope that you can never watch that cartoon again without thinking about me peeing all over my clothes. <laughs> but I remember coming to, like, you know how when you get up and you're just dazed. And I was in such a deep sleep. I remember coming to and being horrified that I was peeing all over like straight up yellow stream all over these clean clothes, you know? And I remember just being like, oh man, this is not my finest moment. <laughs> but I mean, I don't remember what happened after. I remember, you know, getting my clothes out and being like, oh no. And I don't know. I don't even remember if I attempted to... I'm sure I tried to clean it up right there. And I know, I mean, I was too young to do a load of laundry. That's how young I was. I didn't know how to do a load of laundry. And I don't remember the repercussions. I don't think that there were any repercussions, you know, because they're probably like, bless his heart. He peed in his drawer. He doesn't even know the difference between a drawer of clothes and a toilet, you know, bless him. But I mean, I don't remember if there were any repercussions. Maybe there's a mental block there, but I really don't think I had any. And that is a crazy story. And I thought that I would share it with you just because I thought about it this week. And it was just one of those things that made me laugh because it's not happened since, you know, thank God it has not happened since. But, I mean, yeah, I treated my drawer. My drawers, my drawer is what is my toilet in the night. And I will just go. I don't see how I didn't even think. You know, just I'm opening a drawer right now in my room. I get out of bed and walk 10 steps. And 
how am I at the toilet? And what is this new square toilet? What is what's what's that about? No, I did not have those thoughts, but yeah, true story, folks. That's why you're here to hear stuff like that. All right, well, I'm midway through my podcast today, and before I go any farther, before I trudge on through this deal, I want to throw um, a promo in this week. And this promo is from a really cool podcast. It's the Mixed Media Forest podcast, and it's my friend Jason Lampro. And this guy, man, this guy's just awesome. You know what I mean? He's just one of those people that's an indie podcaster. And, you know, Mixed Media Forest is like, he talks about all things media. Um, Jason's super positive. He's like the most positive person that you you know, could ever mean your life. Um, I wish that I could be as positive as Jason, you know, comes off in his podcast, you know. Um, but this guy is super awesome. His, his podcast is always uplifting. It's uplifting to me. Um, killer, killer stuff. And you guys should check it out. And I mean, he shouted me out on his podcast so many times. And, um, he finally got a promo and as soon as I saw that he had a promo, I was like, man, that's going in my next episode. And, uh, you guys check it out. Every day we're surrounded by media, books, movies, art, music, games, apps, podcasts, etc., etc. With this constant bombardment, it's easy to miss great media gems in the chaos. But fret not, you've come to the right place, my friend. I'm Jason, and I love media. I invite you to check out the Mixed Media Forest podcast, the podcast where I trudge through the forests of media to find hidden gems for you, the listener. Every episode of Mixed Media Forest is chock full of fun, reviews, nostalgia, positivity, news, rants, stories, and recommendations about all things media. Again, that's the Mixed Media Forest podcast, created on Anchor Podcasting app and available everywhere fine podcasts can be found. Give it a listen. It's what all the cool kids are doing. All right, people. So that's Jason over at Mixed Media Forest. Check them out. Show them some love. Leave them a review. Subscribe. Like. Rate. Review. Do do what you do. Do what you do. Alright, so I talked about this podcast being a little bit darker today. And this um, segment is going to be a little bit darker. I'm kind of fascinated by serial killers, but not just serial killers. Um, like old serial killers, like serial killers from like the 18, 1900s. I like reading about them. I like, um, I don't know, watching documentaries about them. It's just, it's really fascinating to me. And, you know, I have talked about starting a side podcast, um, about true crime and about um, true crime that I'm interested in. But until then, I'll just give you the cliff notes. I'll just throw cliff notes into my podcast. And um, 
So I want to tell you about this lady named Amy Archer Gilligan today. All right. And this is a lady that I never heard of until this week. She came onto my radar because I was just reading about different serial killers. And I was trying to think about, you know, I actually started reading and researching um, one that I thought that I was going to talk about on my podcast. But I ran across Amy Archer Gilligan and her story and it really it was more interesting to me and so I just kind of scrapped what I had and went with this one and I do have a few notes on this so forgive me forgive me I tried to have minimal notes on this podcast and just rant and you know shoot from the hip <laughs> but uh shoot from the hip like a Siamese twin is what I do but uh, <clears throat> Amy Archer Gillian is a really interesting lady, and I'm going to tell you a little story right now, so checks it out. All right, Amy Archer Gillian was born in 1873 to James and Mary Kennedy Duggan in Milton, Connecticut. Amy was the eighth of ten children, all right? So she was the eighth of ten children, um, her parents were James and Mary, and James and Mary be getting busy having 10 kids. But anyway, so she was the eighth of 10 kids, all right? Now, this is something that, like a side note that I found interesting. Um, there were, is a history of mental illness in Amy's family. As her brother John became a patient at the Connecticut General Hospital for the Insane in 1902. Okay, and, and in 1902, when her brother, you know, went into the insane, or the, what's it called? The Connecticut General Hospital for the Insane in 1902. Amy was 34, and I'm kind of jumping ahead just by telling you that. Um, but I thought that it was interesting. Also, in 1930, one of Amy's sisters is recorded, I think it's in a census, um, but she is recorded to have also been a patient at this hospital. Um, Amy would be 62 um, at that time. Okay, so at least two of her siblings, you know, that we know about out of the 10 children um, ended up in um, mental hospitals. And, you know, I've kind of been reading a little bit about mental hospitals and mental hospitals back around 1900 um, were not what they are now. You know, the technologies and the advancements were there. And so I'm not going to speak a lot about that because I don't know a lot about that. <laughs> that doesn't stop me from talking about anything else. So maybe I should. Maybe I should do a whole podcast about that since I know nothing about it really. But I know that they did shock treatments and I don't know when they stopped doing like the lobotomy stuff. But uh, that would be interesting. Maybe I'll look into that or just talk about it ignorantly like I do so much on this podcast. All right, so that's a side note. She had two siblings. <clears throat> Excuse me. I believe I will take a sip of my beverage. Got to keep a water bottle. All right, so <clears throat> let's move along and kind of jump back a little bit. All right, so... Um, Amy married this man named James Archer in 1896 at the age of 23. So Amy was 23 when she married 
this guy, James Archer, right? And if you look at pictures of Amy Archer, um, Amy Archer Gilligan, but at this time she married James Archer, so she was um, Amy Archer. She was an attractive young lady, you know, for the time. Usually, I don't know, like when I see pictures um, from back then, there's something different about those people. I don't know what it is. I don't know if, you know, as a human race, the look kind of changes. I know the hairstyles change and the, the clothes change, but there's just this look. And maybe, maybe, I don't know what. I don't know what it is. But, you know, people back then, just when you see old pictures, it's just like, man, they be looking funny. But, uh... But Amy was an attractive lady. If There's at least one picture of her when she was a young lady. And she was an attractive lady. So she married this guy, James Archer, which that doesn't have anything to do with anything. Amy Archer was hot when she was young. But, um, but anyway, she got married at the age of 23 in 1896. All right. So in 1898, um, this is two years after they were married, they have a daughter named Mary, all right? And so um, James and Amy have a daughter, and they name her Mary Archer, okay? And that's in 1898. In 1901, James, Amy, and their daughter Mary Archer move into the home of an elderly man, John D. Seymour, in Newington, Connecticut. They agreed to care for him in exchange for room and board. All right, so what kind of happened here is... um. They moved in this old dude's house. And, I mean, he probably needed care. I don't know if he was, like, partially disabled or what. Um, that's something that's cool about these old cases, you know, that you read about, is it leaves so much to the imagination. You know, things that happen now, you have every detail. You have details today that you don't even want. You know, like, irrelevant details. You know, that, that are so easily accessible. Um, but you kind of have to dig um, when you look at these old cases. And it kind of leaves a lot to the imagination. And it's kind of more creepy to me, you know, that way. So anyway, they move into this guy's house, John D. Seymour. And they're like, all right, if we can live here for free, um, if we can stay in your crib for free, then we will help care for you. And I think that it was probably an agreement with John D. Seymour and his um, family. So um, even though his family didn't live there, they probably had to make arrangements with his family. I mean, I'm sure, um, you know, Seymour's kids were like, yeah, that's cool, Dad. All right, so what happened is three years later in 1904... Um, John D. Seymour died, okay? And his heirs, his heirs turned his residence into a boarding house for elderly people. James and Amy cared for the residents, okay? And the name of the house was Sister Amy's Home for the Elderly, okay? And so, you know, this dude died that they were staying with in exchange for room and board. Theirs were like, I mean, they must have been on good terms. They must have been on good terms with uh, Amy and James because uh, they were like, yeah, dude, we want to turn our dad's house into a boarding, boarding house for like old people. 
and y'all can care for them. And you can even call it, you know, Sister Amy's Home for the Elderly. So, you know, evidently they were on pretty good terms with um, Seymour's family. All right, so that was in 1904 um, when Seymour died and they did that. All right, in 1907, three years later, um, Seymour's heirs wanted to sell the house. Um, so the archers moved to Windsor, Connecticut and purchased a house of their own. Okay, so they left the, that house behind and um, moved and purchased their own house. All right, and they named this house the Archer Home for the Elderly and Infirmant infirmed and uh so that's what they did they kind of carried on and kept doing what they were doing except in a home of their own all right so um in 1910 that was when they moved that was in 1907 three years later in 1910 james archer died of what was thought to be natural causes that was the that was his cause of death. It was um, determined to be natural causes. Um, it, there's a name for the disease that he supposedly died of. Um, but what it boiled down to was kidney disease. You know, that is the Glenn thing stuff term that I used. His kidneys was diseased. And that's what he died of. And it was assumed that it was natural causes in 1910. Okay, what is interesting is I talked about Bell Gunnis um, a few podcasts ago and how Bell Gunnis loved her some insurance money. Loved that money. Loved that money. All right, <clears throat> so what's interesting about this is Amy had taken out an insurance policy on James a few weeks prior to his death. All right. So that sends up red flags right there to us in modern day world times. We're just like, yeah, that sums up with that. All right. And so what this did was this insurance policy, um, you know, when it paid her, this enabled her to continue operations at the Archer home. All right. So she's just like, I'm just trying to hustle. I'm just trying to hustle, baby. Okay, so that was in 1910. In 1913, Amy married Michael W. Gilligan, a wealthy widower. All right, and so that is, uh, that just reminds you of Balgonis, you know? She just, I ain't even saying she's a gold digger. <laughs> but she is me messing with a wealthy widower. All right, and see, Michael W. Gilligan had expressed... Um, interest in investing um, in in the Archer home, right? And um, so what happened then is that was 1913. Michael died. Michael W. Gilligan married Amy, and he died in February of 1914, okay? Cause of death, severe indigestion. Right? There's a term for it. I'm just telling you what it really is. You don't need the fancy stuff. You don't need the fancy talk. That's why you come here. So it was like severe indigestion. He didn't take his Nexium. He didn't have no Tums. He just died. He is dead. He is no more. All right. So Amy was the sole heir of all of Michael's estate. All right. That is pretty interesting. You know, that she was married, I think, less than a year to this wealthy guy. And he had grown children. And um, 
she just got all of his stuff, right? She took his stuff. All right. Now, here's a fact about the Archer home. From 1907 to 1917, there were 60 deaths in the home. All right. So in a 10-year span, there were 60 deaths. Okay. That is a lot of people dying. You know, I know that you're running a boarding house for the elderly. You can Google a picture of this house. It's not a huge house. It's not like, I don't know. It's not huge. It's not like this huge nursing home. It's like this lady was running this place. And, I mean, it's like a two-story house. And 60 people died in it. You know, so if you just average that out, what, in 10 years, that's six people dying a year? You know, and at first there probably weren't that many people dying. Um, so <clears throat> I didn't see any record that really broke down how many died per year. But the impression that I got from my limited research is I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to try to mislead you. Just what I gathered was that the deaths, like the death toll went up as the time went by, you know, which is sketch. So, um, relatives of the residents began to grow suspicious due to the large number of deaths in the Archer home. You know, and who wouldn't? If you had people there, you know, or if you had people that were, like, kind of healthy, that stay there, like parents or grandparents or whatever, and you were like, yeah, they're dead, and that person's dead, and everyone's dead, you'd be like, dang, you know, that's crazy. All right, so let's see. Okay, here, I have notes. See, I forgot that I even wrote this down. 12 people died between 1907 and 1910. 48 died between 1911 and 1916. Okay, so in five years, 48 people died. All right. All right, there was this dude named Franklin R. Andrews. See how professional I am. There was this dude, see, there was like this dude, man. There was this dude named Franklin R. Andrews who was a resident who died during this period. He was a healthy man, right? He was healthy. He was totally healthy, all right? And on May 29th, 1914, he was working in the garden around the house and just fell like ex and became extremely ill he just became like it was like quick he became extremely ill he died that evening all right now the cause of death um was a gastric ulcer all right so this is franklin r andrews cause of death just fell ill out of nowhere gastric ulcer all right, Franklin R. Andrews had a sister, Nellie, who inherited his personal belongings and found Franklin's accounts in paperwork where Amy pressured Franklin for money. It was discovered that clients at the Archer house would die after giving Amy large amounts of money, you know, and a lot of those amounts would round, I mean, just be around $1,000, right? That's what I read. So... Franklin's accounts his sister was going through his paperwork and was like man this lady's hitting my was hitting my brother up for money you know and and you know it's just kind of it's just kind of weird that 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 the other clients in the house would die after giving Amy large amounts of money and so that's just that is sketchy you know that would raise a couple of eyebrows 
unless you're a lady and you paint your eyebrows on and they're already on crooked, then they're already raised. You know, wouldn't that be funny? I thought it would be cool not to have eyebrows and just paint on my eyebrows every day however kind of a mood I wanted people to think I was in that day. Wouldn't that be hilarious? <laughs> like you could be like raise one up real high. Some people would be like, what? And you'd be like, what? <laughs> All right, just a side note. Anyway, that has nothing to do with nothing, eyebrows. All right, so what Nellie did, what Franklin Andrew, this guy that died in the Archer home, what she did was she reported the suspicious activity to the district attorney, the local district attorney. All right, he did not take immediate action. You know, he's like, you're just abroad. What do you know, see? You don't know what you're talking about, see? No, I don't know if that's how he was or not, but... Yeah, I just kind of, that's what I thought when I read, yeah, that's what I thought when I read it because it was like back in the day and you're like saying, look at these people are all dying. My brother just was healthy and he just died and here is paperwork where, you know, this lady, Amy Archer Gilligan is hitting my bro up for money and he's just dead. What's up with that and the other people? And so how could you not look into that? You know, how could you not? All right, so what she did when the district attorney did not take immediate action, Nellie went to the Hartford Current, a local newspaper, okay? And on May 9th, 1916, okay, they published, and I guess this is around-ish two years after her brother had died, um, that this article came out, and this was the first of several articles, right, newspaper articles about the Archer House. Um, they published a story calling the Archer House the Murder Factory. Now that is crazy. Like, I went back and I saw a copy of this newspaper, and it's just crazy, man. The Murder Factory. And um, so a few months later, a serious police investigation began. Right? So I guess they're like, dang, maybe there's something to this. Right? All right. The investigation into this took about one year. The bodies, during the investigation, the bodies of Gilligan, which is Amy's husband, Andrews, the guy that died, and three other clients that lived in the Archer house were exhumed. So five people were exhumed in all. Her husband, this old dude that was kind of relatively healthy and just killed over, and three other clients, you know, were exhumed and dug up. And it was determined that they all died of poisoning, arsenic or strychnine, right? So this is something that I read, um, but I did not write down because I don't know how true this is. Um... You know, and I don't know enough about embalming the way that they embalm. And I especially don't know about the way that they embalmed back then. But what, um, in one source that I read, is said that arsenic was commonly used in the embalming process back in the day. And... A lot of times that would slip by the person that was doing the autopsy, like looking for the cause of death, like the medical examiner or doctor, because um, so if they got poisoned with arsenic, they wouldn't catch it because a lot of time times embalming was done prior to 
the medical people checking them out, right? That's what I read, and that's what said what that was an explanation why she got away with it for so long. But like I said, I don't know how true that is. If that is true, that's pretty slick. You know, she's pretty slick right there with that, with the Austin. All right. Local market owners testified that Amy had been purchasing large amounts of arsenic. She claimed that she was trying to kill rats. Okay. And so local market owners were like snitches. All right. A look at Gilligan's will by the authorities determined Amy had forged the document. Right. So this wealthy widower that she married and then he just like killed over it was like in her handwriting, is what it said. That, that she was like, leave everything to Amy. Signed Amy. I mean, signed my husband, right? All right, so once this all came out and the police were like, yo, yo, she's killing people, man. So what happened was Amy Archer was arrested and charged with five counts of murder. Her lawyer was Saul Goodman. <laughs> no, better call Saul, Amy Archer. Amy Archer Gilligan was arrested. Um, her lawyer somehow got it dropped to a single count um, of murder, and that was for the murder of Franklin Andrews, right? And so she went to trial on June 18, 1917. Amy Archer Gilligan was found guilty and sentenced to death, all right? So... Yeah, that's pretty much it for her, you know, or is it, or shall it be? So she got sentenced to death on June 18, 1917, all right, and so what she did was she appealed, and in 1919 was granted another trial, all right, so she appealed it, and she was granted another tri trial. She, um, Amy Archer Gilligan pleaded, then pleaded insanity, um, Mary Archer, which was her daughter, testified that her mother, Amy, was addicted to morphine, right? And, like, if you see a picture of this lady, when she's young, like I talked about, she was, like, a nice-looking lady. But if you see, like, her mugshot, like, her mugshot, she looks like she was addicted to morphine, like, just look it up. Or maybe I'll throw it up on my Twitter and you can check it out. This lady, I mean, she looks like she's having a rough life. She's having a rough go at it. Have you had a rough go at it? So, um, Amy was found guilty of second-degree murder and was sentenced to life in prison. Okay. And that was in 1919. In 1924, which is five years later, um, she was transferred to a mental hospital in Middleton, Middletown, where she remained until her death on April 23rd, 1962. All right. And so, you know, she, they said it was like she was temporarily insane or she was like they determined that she was temporarily insane but from 1924 to 1962 she went to a mental hospital and that must have been better that must have been a better option for her back then i guess that i don't know i guess that she preferred that or she was like legit crazy because she did have two other siblings that um ended up in mental hospitals 
So that is the story of Amy Archer Gilligan. That's like the cliff notes. I didn't go into too much detail. I just wanted to tell you guys about her because I thought that it was an interesting story and I hope that you found it interesting too and I hope that it wasn't boring but anyway guys thank you for listening to my podcast this has been fun this has been a fun week for me it's been a fun podcast to do thank you for listening thank you for all the support to all my listeners to all the people that have left me reviews thank you you are good Fine people. Fine, fine, fine is what you is. So if you want to hear this podcast, I'm available on all the different podcasts and platforms. So whichever one you're into, which is probably what you're doing anyway, but you can find me wherever you want to find me pretty much. I don't think I'm on SoundCloud. I don't think I'm on there yet, Um, but pretty much everywhere else. Um, if you would on iTunes, leave me a review. It doesn't have to be a five star review. It can be a one star review. You can be like, you suck and I hate you. (coughs) Excuse me. And I give you one star because I hate you so bad and you rob me of this hour. (laughs) But I hope that you don't. I hope that you like my podcast. I hope you come back for seconds. And I hope you double dip that chip is what I hope that you do. Um, but if you would leave me a review on iTunes and let me know how I'm doing, that helps bump me up in the whole search results so people can find this podcast, right? Right, because that's what we want, people. So if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm on there. Uh, you can follow me at Glenn Think Stuff. I'll follow you back. We can chit chat about Siamese twins that kill people, and it will be fun. It will be fun. You can email me stuff. If you want me to talk about a certain subject, which I've done several times, you can email me the topic to glennthinkstuff at yahoo.com. glennthinkstuff at yahoo.com. And I'll think about the thing which you say with your typey words, and I'll talk about it, which will be totally radical. But... Thank you guys for all the listens. Thank you for the downloads. It really means a lot to me because this is fun. And I really enjoy doing this every week. I look forward to doing this. This is like my creative outlet where I create things, words, and I say them. And then I put them onto my computer. And then I just say, okay, here it is, world. Here it is, world of ears. And thank you guys for listening to me. It means a lot. And I hope you have an awesome rest of your weekend if this comes out. And if it is Monday by the time this hits. I hope that you have a great week. And I'll talk to you guys later. Let me know what you think about the Conjoined Twins. Because that's just weird. (coughs) I'm sorry. I have a tick on my throat at the end of the podcast. I'm going to get to the end and be... (coughs) But be good to each other. Do not pee in your drawer. Peace.